Hello, homemakers, and welcome to the Art of Home podcast, where we are exploring how homemakers cultivate a place to belong. I'm your host, Allison Weeks. I'm a wife, a mom to four grown kids, grandmother to one baby boy due to arrive this fall, and I have been practicing the Art of Home for over 30 years. Welcome to all of our regular listeners and to any new listeners who have joined us today. So glad that all of you are here for this newbie homemaker portrait of my friend Abby Colbath. Even though Abby is young and has just been married over five years, she has a lot to share with us today. Her experiences um, over the past three years especially have given perspective and wisdom that many of us do not gain until much later in life. She has walked through the joyful but challenging waters of newlywed life She started a business from scratch, and she faced some very dark valleys of grief and loss, and it is very clear to see how the Lord has carried Abby through all of it. I will have a few thoughts at the end of today's show, but I'm going to keep this intro brief because this is a full, lengthy conversation, and it is so good. Whatever you're applying your hands to while you listen to the podcast today, I know you will enjoy Abby's story of home. All right. Welcome to the Art of Home podcast. I'm here with my friend, Abby Colbath. And before we go back to the beginning of your story, why don't you just tell us a little bit about who you are today? Um, My name's Abby Colbath. I'm 26 years old. I have been married for five years this past July. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, I did not realize how amazing all the anniversaries were until you've been married. (laughs) And you're like, every five years, I feel like it's just a huge thing. Yes, a big milestone. Um, Been married five years. I own um, a online and brick and mortar boutique in San Antonio. So that's basically what I do full time. Um, Yeah. Okay, cool. And are you originally from San Antonio? Yes. Born and raised San Antonio. You're like a unicorn. Yes. My whole family is here, uh-huh. um, San Antonio and Bernie. And then my husband's family is also in San Antonio. Oh, so man. I don't know how we didn't like connect, connect when you were younger. Prior. How did you meet? Um, we knew each other in high school ministry. Uh-huh. He was okay. two years older. We went to two different high schools. But then as soon as we both, he was already at A&M. Mm. As soon as I got to A&M, I ran into him at HEB and... <laughs> Yeah, it's just so odd to meet somebody who's originally from San Antonio because really? it's a military city. Yeah, it is. So we have so many people here that are coming in and out through the military. Yeah. I would assume that's why. Anyway, yeah. so that's yeah. cool. Born and when, raised here. That's awesome. <laughs> okay, well, let's go back uh, to the beginning of your journey. So when did you first become a homemaker? And when you did, did you have any kind of skills? So I would say my true homemaking started when we got married okay. uh, in 2017. And I did have the skills when I looked back. I'm like, okay, I did have some skills. Like um, my mom has always been a great decorator mm-hmm. and celebrator. Even like my mom's parents are really like into holidays and birthdays and um, just have always had beautifully kind of kept homes yeah. in my family. So I feel like the decorating, <laughs> you have that. the decorating, I have that. I have that going for me. Um, and just the like celebrating birthdays mm-hmm. and things like, like that part of homemaking. Yeah. Um, but besides that, um, I did grow up in a 
divorced household. Mm -hmm. And so we were back and forth a lot. And so life just looked different at mom's house versus dad's house. And so there were so many things that um, I did pick up. But at the same time, I just was never that person who (laughs) made dinner for the family or anything like that. So when I got married, I was like texting my mom, okay, how long do you boil eggs for? Like, how do you make hard boiled (laughs) eggs? Like, I had no idea. So I started from ground zero in like the cooking department. Yeah. Um, Cleaning, we always had to do chores. Always. Mm -hmm. That was always part of it. Um, We always had to do our own laundry. So I feel like I came in with a lot of skills, but the implementation of those skills, when me and my husband first got married, lived in our you know, first apartment yeah. was very different when you're on your own. It is. I mean, even for the most well-prepared person who had like all the training, yes, which is rare um, because that's just not how, how our lives work now. But even for that person, it's different when it's your own house. Yes. You have all the responsibility on your mm-hmm. shoulders. You got to figure out what's going to work for your schedule, your husband's schedule, uh-huh. you know, and whatever your life circumstances are. So, yeah. yeah. But it did, it sounded like you were pretty well prepared. Yeah. Yeah. Actually. I feel like pr- practical skills, mm-hmm. I feel like I was well prepared. I have two younger brothers. Um, I t- I'm the oldest of all the cousins. So I felt like I was always around babies. And so I feel like I had, I had the skills. Yeah. Um, pretty, pretty much. I mean, the cooking was definitely not there, but, um, I had the skills, me actually doing the skills was <laughs> totally different. <laughs> That's a whole different experience. thing. Yeah. Well, so what skill or aspect of homemaking are you struggling with the most right now? And what are some solutions that you're implementing? So it's really just the keeping up of the home that has been a huge struggle. Um, our first two years of marriage, I, we were in a tiny retirement community in Florida and my husband was working six, seven days a week and I was, there was no career path for me there. So I was doing four random part-time jobs just to not be bored. (laughs) And, um, so when my husband came home every day, like everything was clean, the meals were cooked. Like I had in that season of our marriage, like I had the homemaking, keeping of the home, just down to a T and I was enjoying it because that was the only thing I really had going on in my life at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we moved back to Texas, I started my business. Um, my husband started a different job with a different company. He was traveling six, five, six days a week. Um, I was working from home and that's when I realized like, okay, um, this is a lot harder when both spouses have things going on mm-hmm. and um time is just feel like the enemy you know yeah. it just felt like things were falling apart so since then the last 3 years it's been like just trying to survive essentially like keep it together <laughs> do things in pockets of time or um so that's really our biggest struggle right now is learning okay how do i balance work my husband balance working and also like having the house clean and mm-hmm. having meals prepared and having stuff for lunch and not looking in the fridge being like, there's no plan. Like, what are we going to eat? Do we have to drive 20 minutes to go get a sandwich or fast food? So yeah. it's really just the keeping up of all of the mm-hmm. like cleaning and cooking. Mm-hmm. And are you finding any particular ways that have been helpful to just mitigate that and make it work for you guys? Um, so when I first started my business and, um, the, you know, the last 
three years, especially two years of our life have been really difficult on me physically. It's also been difficult on me um, just starting a business and um, getting it up and going. And so my sweet husband has (laughs) the tip and trick is to uh, marry a, a man that will just pick up pieces that yeah. <laughs> you leave falling all over the place. <laughs> so he has been an angel. He um, really picked up a lot of the slack that I kind of mm-hmm. just, I just couldn't keep up with it all. I just really couldn't. So I had to ask for help. I had to um, kind of let go of, okay, our house is going to be clean all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, now in this new season where I've finally been able to hire help, I'm kind of entering a new um, season of my business and family And so, um, like the tips and tricks I've learned, like it doesn't have to be, um, a Martha Stewart, like Mm -hmm. household, like it doesn't have to be perfect. Like get the Roomba vacuum, you know, like run that thing once a day, (laughs) you know, or when you remember to run it, like I have grocery delivery service and that sounds crazy, but it helps so much. Oh yeah. It really does. Just being able to like, okay, this is going to force me to plan the meals, but I don't have to go wander around HEB with a million other people. Mm -hmm. Um, so things that just make it easier, like a Roomba vacuum, um, grocery delivery service. Um, we just also hired a housekeeper to do the deep cleaning once a month. Mm -hmm. And that was something we had to like figure out in our budget and cut some things out. But I was like, this is really going to provide us some peace and some time. Absolutely. So yeah, I like, I talk about that a lot on the show to just, I know it's an expense, um, but we do have to consider the value of time over money, Yeah, you know, and not everybody can afford to bring in a housekeeper, but sometimes, you know, it may be worth the financial sacrifice that you have to make to be able to do that. I had one guest one time who, um, she was so creative. She and her, and one of her good girlfriends, they were both like with kids at home. And I think they were both homeschooling. They swapped services with one another. So once oh. a month, they would go, or maybe once every couple of weeks, one they would go to each other's home, the kids would play together, and they would tackle the deep cleaning together. so awesome. And I thought that was really a smart way to yes. accomplish that without, it didn't cost anything. Uh-huh. Um, so that was very creative. So there are creative yes. ways around it. But the important thing to remember is when you are a homemaker, that is a job. Yes. And then when you bring in another job, you're basically doing two jobs. Yes. So yeah. something's got to give somewhere. 100%. Can't do it all. And I think I realized that, you know, mm-hmm. I just, I had this idea when we got married that, oh my gosh, I'm going to be, I don't know, you just picture something so silly. Like I'm going to have fresh, amazing meals cooked every single every night. Every single night. Yeah. <laughs> and the house is always going to be clean and I'm going to do the laundry, just like serve my husband well and serve our household well and everything's going to be put together. And then it's just, I gained so much humility um, <laughs> once we moved back to Texas. And I was like, oh my gosh, like working, both of us working really, I mean, he was working more than full-time probably. So was I mm-hmm. um, just, you just have to, I, I had to learn to just let it go. Yeah, You know, I'm such a perfectionist just to be like, all right, you know, the kitchen's going to be messy and laundry's going to have to be done a different day. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I am so thankful. I do feel like we're entering a different season of life. Like I've finally been able, I'm kind of past the building stages of my business. And mm-hmm. now I'm trying to 
like more perfect it. Yeah. Um, and so I've finally, praise God, been able to like hire help. And that has just emotionally, mm-hmm. um, keeping up of the house. It's just been so nice to be like, oh my gosh, I'm helping. Like I can, you know, even easy things like, okay, my sweet husband doesn't have to do the dishes and unload the dishwasher again. And all right, I have an hour this morning now that I used to not have. Like, mm-hmm. let me do a little laundry and put it away. And so I am definitely, it's not per- perfected by any means, but we are in a season of kind of learning how to like redo my schedule and kind of like me figuring out, okay, mm-hmm. what can, what can I, what can I actually do now? What do we need help with? Um, and like you said, it's just, I'm not a failure as a, you know, a wife and I'm not a failure as a house, you know, homemaker if I need help in different areas. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Thank you for saying that. Yes. Ask for help. Even if it means doing something creative like swapping services with a yes. friend, get yes. help because this is like a big job, you know, to care yeah. for a family, to do meals all the time, to do laundry, to keep things running. Um yeah, so definitely ask for help. Definitely and yeah. assess. I like that you said assess your schedule depending upon the season that you're yes. in. Yes, you know, step back and say, okay, here's where we are this year. Mm-hmm. You know, what are my limitations? What has opened up that maybe yeah. I can look at doing something differently? Mm-hmm. Um, because once you, like you said, your first two years, you kind of had it down, yes. you know, <laughs> but you were living, you said you were living in a retirement community oh, in yes. Florida. So yes. you were just kind of stranded over there. Um, 100% stranded. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you had the time and what so a blessing that was actually yes. to have that for your first two years of marriage. Yeah. Me- but then things change. Yes, so, they do. And that's something, that's probably the biggest lesson I've learned just in homemaking um, in the past five ish years is like, all right, there's going to be different seasons mm-hmm. to this. Like one season it might just flow and feel so easy and joyful. The next season, it might just be like, we are just keeping things together. We're just surviving. Um, and just looking towards the future and knowing, you know, um, once kids come into the picture and things like that, well, then that's going to be a different season and that's right. going to look different. And, just allowing it to just be what it is, absolutely, um, is probably the biggest lesson. No, that's a that great that's a great lesson to have learned, and you'll continue to learn it because every yes. it changes, mind changes every I don't know few years, yeah, depending on you know what kids are in the house or not in the house. Now they're all gone, uh, or what job my husband has, or where we're living, or what's going on with ministry or whatever. Yeah. It's always yeah. changing, and we have to stay flexible. And what you pointed out earlier, humble. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> because we can think, oh, I have got this down. I don't know what her problem is over there. Why her yes. house is always a mess. 100%. <laughs> I used to like look at stay-at-home moms when, I guess more like high school, college years and be like, they got nothing to do all day. Why is it the house always done? And why why aren't like these fresh meals? And I'm like, I just learned so much the last (laughs) five years of being married. And it's so easy to think that it's just like easy Mm -hmm. to think that the homemaking, I'm sure the the kids and keeping up with that is a whole other ball game if you add, throw that into the mix. But yeah, I just, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's great. So we've talked a lot about expectations in this conversation that Uh we've already had. Was there anything else that surprised you about homemaking? Something that was either good or bad you didn't expect? I think that 
and I should have known this just from growing up, I mean, in, in a home and in a family, but just how much it really affects the like mental health and well-being of your family. Mm-hmm. Like you just think you're cleaning the dishes and providing meals and planning meals and, you know, decorating, creating spaces, living room, you know, where you eat. And if those things are kind of falling apart, um, it is insane what it can do to just the spiritual, mental health um, of the relationships in the household. I just did not, like, you know, I just didn't realize the depth that, Mm -hmm. um, you know, having those things kind of in order. I mean, it doesn't have to be perfect, but Mm -hmm. having those things and those systems in place like really sets the space up to... Um, live life. I mean, that's where you live life. And I think I just, I didn't realize how much the physical space Mm -hmm. and the planning of the meals and all of that really just affects everything else in life. Yeah. So I think that just... No, that's a great observation because it's stability. It reminds me of how they tell you, you know, when you're when you're going to have kids and you start reading about, you know, like childhood development and all that kind of stuff and all the experts say how important structure and schedules yeah. are for children to be able to thrive and grow, to grow physically, to grow mentally and emotionally. Um and I don't think really it changes all that much for adults. You know, we no. need some order in our lives. Um and like you said, it doesn't have to be perfect and it doesn't have to look like a magazine. But predictability, order provides a sense of security. Yes. Like this is a safe space for me. And that's really what we're doing. You know, we we our tagline for the show is how homemakers cultivate a place to belong. Mm. And that's what we're doing. We're cultivating through the laundry and through making sure there's some food in the refrigerator Mm -hmm. and you know, some kind of meal plan. Um, because without that, it you just kind of feel at loose ends all the time. Yes. And those first, I would probably say the first two years of me being um, a business owner and my husband traveling, and then he's able to work from home, mm-hmm. I really learned that when at least a little bit of structure is not in place, it just, it just, I mean, you, it causes so much stress um, when you see physical like mess and things are chaotic. Yeah. Then like your inner emotional, spiritual self, you're like you know, my relationship with my husband, it just, it just felt cluttered and just, Mm -hmm. it just takes up space in your brain. Um, so I learned that the hard way. And so now we're trying to figure out how the heck to, um, you know, put in the structure and put in the like amazing, you know, practices and things that can like set us up for, oh, you you, like breathe a fresh breath of air when you come home instead of like, feel more anxiety. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Well, that leads us to the next section, which is talking about priorities. Um, So what are some practical steps maybe that you guys are taking to set and keep your priorities? You kind of alluded to the fact that you're in a new season now, so you're you're sort of reassessing where you are as a couple, as a family. So what are some of the things that you guys are doing practically? I think for priorities for us right now, we are again, in just a stage of really trying to figure it out, um, us going to church, us, you know, individually being able to have our quiet times. I feel this big emphasis on just 
cultivating a space that is peaceful again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, now that I am able to do that and I have more freedom and time to do that, I I think the biggest priority that we are trying to set up right now, and it's just so practical, but is our meal planning. Um, and we both work from home part-time and then out of the home part-time. So when we're at home, being able to go to the fridge and look at a list, okay, these are my lunch options. Right. This is what's for dinner this week. Um, okay, what you know, meat needs to be taken out of the freezer yes. so that way we don't get to dinner time. <laughs> yes. And we're like, well... <laughs> Even women who are at home all day need to do that. Yes. Take your meat out of the freezer in the morning or the day before. (laughs) Yes, I know. I know. I have learned that lesson too many times. But yeah, I mean, I think um, we've had seasons in our marriage where we really prioritize our health and working out and quiet time Mm -hmm. and having clean home and meals made. And we've also gone through seasons where we've let those completely slip. And so we're kind of rebuilding right now, learning, okay, when, like, how do we put in working out into mm-hmm. the schedule again? How do we put in cleaning? How do we put in laundry and mm-hmm. meals? And so... Um, Have you guys figured out something for your exercise routine? Oh, do you work out Lord. together or separately? No. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. no. Uh, but we tried that during the pandemic when there was no other option. <laughs> yeah, that didn't work. No, no, no. Why is he like hardcore and you're not or... I am more like, I would rather do cardio for two hours uh-huh. and he is like the lifting weights person. Yes. And so we had tried to do like a hit workout in our garage together. <laughs> it was like, I can't do things with 15 pound weights, like 10 pound <laughs> weights. And so it just, we have two different styles of doing that. But again, here comes to like, okay, what can make my life easier? So um, our... We called it, I convinced him, um, my push present for our last child mm-hmm. um, was a Peloton. Mm-hmm. And so that, um, and again, not everyone, like that's not, you know, some people have treadmills, some people yeah. run outside. Sure. Um, but I feel like the the Peloton is really, for me, that's what I need. Yeah. I need to be able to hop on it for 20 minutes. And like, if that's all I can do that day, then great. Or just knowing, okay, I'm just going to go take a walk and listen to a business podcast or mm-hmm. um, a Christian podcast. And that's going to be my mental break, but I'm also going to move. Um, his is more, he's gotten super into golf. And so, oh, really? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. And um, I need to hook him up with my husband because he's please. also super into golf. <laughs> super into golf. He super. tried to get me into golf. I was like, mm. I threw my back out when I, oh. so I was like, no, I don't think so. I'm good. <laughs> That can be your thing. I'm going to let you have that thing, babe. Yes. And I'm so glad. I am like, you know what? He found something he loves and he's passionate about it. And he didn't start it until he was like in his mid Uh twenties. And so it's just a whole new like hobby for him. And I, I love it. That's great. Yeah. That's cool. Well, yeah, my husband does all of the, like, he watches the YouTube videos that teach him how to you know, do a swing just this certain way. And I mean, it it is truly, and he's gotten much better. Like I love to see him grow in that. Yes. So I encourage him and it is good exercise because he walks yeah. the course typically. Uh-huh. Um, and it's a great core work- workout if you're uh-huh. doing it correctly, you know, you're because yeah. he'll come the next day after he's been to the driving range and he's like, man, my abs are so sore because yes. you have to spin the uh-huh. 
correct way and you use your hips and anyway. Yeah. And just being outside. Just being in the I'm fresh like, air, yes. get the vitamin D. I'm yeah. all for it. I'm happy and, for him to do that. And time with um, his parents picked up golf. So just time with his parents. Oh, he gets to spend awesome. more time with his parents. Yeah. All, all the men in my family love golfing. So I think it's just good. And like, it's something that you can do your whole life pretty yes. much. It's a it's an athletic activity you can do until you just can't walk anymore. Yes. Really. And so. once I am not pregnant, because mm-hmm. I'm currently, how many weeks am I? 18, 19 weeks pregnant. Mm-hmm. Once I am not pregnant and I'm healed and everything, I have told him, I said, I will like learn, even if I'm not good, like I'll learn enough to like Yes. Right on the golf cart and swing a few times. <laughs> I love that. I love that. We just had, we're working through um, a classic homemaking book. I mean, like from the 1800s this summer. And and he mostly talks about relationships in the home, okay. the family relationships. And he's talking about husbands and wives in one of the early chapters and how, how important it is for us to take an interest mm. in one another's interests. Mm. And, you know, I love that you're saying you're, you're going the extra mile of saying, I'm going to learn the basics of the game. You know, even if I'm not going to play with you, I want to be able to understand what you're talking about. Yes. When you tell me about your swings and par and birdie and eagle and like, I need to know what those terms mean so that, I can be interested in what you're passionate about. Yeah. And we should do that for one another as husbands and wives. Yeah. And it's just so fun. Eventually, you know, I could ride on the golf cart now, but this heat has been getting to me. So it's pretty bad. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not going in the golf cart right now, but when I'm not (laughs) pregnant, (laughs) hopefully it'll be something we can go do. Drop the baby off at one of the grandmas and have a date on the golf course. Yeah. Do something fun and outside. And it's just Mm -hmm. so good. We both love being outside when we can. So cool. I love that. Okay, so you, as being a business owner, social yes. media is a huge part of your life. Yes. So how do you balance that in your life? How do you keep that in its rightful place? Um, I wish I could tell you because <laughs> we are so bad at this. My husband's a lot better because he will post on Facebook or Instagram like once a year. Like wow. That man, he it and I and I love that. Um he's like not a big social media guy, but for me it's it's not even just the posting and, you know, the linking products and different things. It's like customers will reach out to me, "Hey, I need to return this. Hey, I need to exchange this oh. or I have this problem with my order. Can you change the address?" So it's not only a marketing tool. It's a communication tool. It's a communication tool with my customers. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so, and I always, like, that is one of my big things. Like, I want to be easily reachable. Like, Mm -hmm. I want, like, if the customer doesn't want to email me, they want to DM me on Instagram. Okay. Like, we'll, we'll, like, figure your situation out there. And so I have had to learn, um, like, when I go on vacation, like, I'm not going to answer the DMs Mm -hmm. that I get. Um, I'm not going to answer my emails. I'm not going to um, post. So the one practical thing I can actually do is I have this um, app on my phone called Planoly. And so I'll just pre-schedule post. Yeah. So I've been doing that for about, um, since really since we started the business. But man, I do not have any words of wisdom (laughs) when it comes to... (laughs) like managing time on it and managing boundaries. Mm-hmm. And like, I just, that is something that we really need to work on. And again, my husband, I mean, if he's on his phone, he's playing like a, a game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not really social media. Um, for me, it's hard because it's just so much of what I do. Sure. 
And like, it's hilarious if you look at the analytics and different things, but if I don't post like, and on, I can schedule the posts, but like stories and responding to customers and that kind of thing, you can't, you have to, you You have have to to do in the moment to be live and you have to be social. Yes. (laughs) And so, yeah, that's the only way to like grow on social media is to be social Mm -hmm. on social media. And so, um, I have just had to do it in pockets of time or Taylor knows, Hey, I have launches on Friday mornings. So on Friday mornings, I'm going to have to spend this much time posting the pictures, linking the products or the day before I post like fit videos. So he kind of knows the rhythm now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's not like, why the heck is she just on her phone for two well, hours? I love that you're, what you're saying is you, you have created, um, a schedule for yourself, yes. like a posting schedule. Yeah, you know, so you're not just randomly. Oh, I haven't posted in a while. I better pop on and do a live or do a um, uh-huh. story or do a whatever. You're pre-scheduling using Planoly. You can also there's there's later. There's yeah. several apps. Um, I use basically. I'm only pretty much posting on Instagram and Facebook. So there's a yeah. Facebook business has an application that I can do all yes. the stuff pre. I can do it ahead of time, and that's awesome. Um, but then as far as the things you have to go in real time mm-hmm. to do, it sounds like you're like, I only do this on this day. Yeah. I've, I've tried to get better, um, mm-hmm. about my time and about, okay, it's a Sunday. If I don't post the story, like it is what it is. Yeah. But I also know, um, if I don't post something like for a whole week, like my sales, they drop. I mean, mm. it's real. Wow. And so it's just so many consumers are on social media. Yeah. And they're... It's like the new way to shop. Yes. They check out on there. Yeah. And that's... It's our form of communication, how they see what's coming. I mean, right. I it is a necessary evil. Um, if it was for me, like personally... I, if I didn't have a business, I think me and my husband would have just ditched the social media a long time mm. ago. It just can create such a mess. Mm-hmm. Um, it's such a time sucker. So when we think about future children, we're like, oh yeah, we're going to do this and we're going to do this and this. Um, but in our own lives, it's it's been a constant battle. Um, and my husband is so sweet and gracious and he just knows that um, sometimes... I have to answer that random customer who's mm-hmm. angry and upset at 11 p.m. because <laughs> it, it is what it is, you know? Yeah. And um, Well, you're trying to protect your business reputation, yes. and that's super important. But I think even for women who are listening, we have quite a few you know, listeners I know that do little side hustles, and, and they have yeah. little bus- online businesses, mm-hmm. and, and um, they use social media. Um, so maybe this will be helpful, just the things that you're saying. But even if you don't, uh, being intentional... If you're a homemaking mom and that is your primary occupation, uh, or just a homemaker, even if you don't have kids, you can still be intentional about mm-hmm. when you go on mm-hmm. and set those boundaries for yourself and keep those boundaries mm-hmm. and say, okay, I'm only going to look at it on Tuesdays and Thursdays mm-hmm. or whatever boundaries work for you. It's yes. going to be different for everybody um, because you're absolutely right. Man, it can just suck you down the rabbit oh, hole. Yeah. Just, oh, oh yeah. just going to scroll and see what so-and-so is doing. <laughs> yes. And not even in a bad way. Like there is so much good to it yeah. too. Yeah. And I've connected with so many um, moms that have a similar story to me mm-hmm. and just different things that I'm like, I'll catch myself on my phone. Taylor's like, what the heck are you reading? And it's like some long paragraph, like 
<laughs> you know, somebody's like heart written out. And, the, and so know. it's not always bad things. It's, yeah. It does connect. And so it's, um, again, I feel like we're really just in this weird season of kind of redoing things and mm-hmm. re, redoing our priorities and figuring out how the heck to do it. Right. Right. Well, so I want to move on since this is a good segue to move into the challenges in the temptation section, because I know mm. I want to get your story about your business. Cause really you, if it wouldn't have been for social media, you probably wouldn't have ever been able to start your business. Oh no. I mean, that's kind of how you launched, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, before we get to that, let me just ask you this question about which of these three things do you identify with most? Which mm-hmm. temptation do you have the hardest time with? Comparison to other women, other homemakers, saying, I'm just a homemaker. I'm not getting paid for this work. This is not a real job. Or superwoman, trying to do all the things. Hmm. I would say when we first got married, it was definitely B. Like, this I would just, look... Yeah. <laughs> I, would, I would literally say to my husband, like, I can never just be a stay-at-home mom. Like, please do not do that to me. Like, I don't want to do that. Like, I would just be so bored, you know, thinking those things is more just like my, me being naive. Uh-huh. Um, that was more of my struggle when we first got married. Now I really like feel like I know have a better true idea of what stay at home moms really do. And mm-hmm. it is a real job. Mm-hmm. It is a real job. Even just, you know, yeah. me and my husband and keeping up our house. I'm like, man, this is a lot. So I would say now more, it's like the superwoman mm-hmm. or the past few years have been just trying to do all the things. Yeah. Um, and going into this new season of hopefully having a baby and hopefully, um, bringing a child home while I'm also still going to be a business owner and my husband's also still going to be working. Mm -hmm. Um, that is probably going to be my biggest struggle is just wanting to be a hundred percent mom and a hundred percent business owner and a hundred percent wife. Sure. Um, that's definitely more of my... Like, I want to keep all the plates spinning. But you're going to have to ask for help. Yes. And you're going to have to let some things go. Yes. Okay. So let's, let's give me the um, Reader's Digest version of how you got into your business. So long story short, um, I started my business in 2019. I started online out of my home, selling women's clothes, accessories. Okay. Tell us the name of your business, first of all. Um, it's July and June. Um, which also goes into my just personal story of the last two years. It's July and June women's boutique. Um, so we started out of one bedroom. Like we used one of the bedrooms in our old home as my office slash where I had everything. Your warehouse. Warehouse, <laughs> picture area, all of it. I started out with like such minimal inventory and I just did it. I used to be a photographer, uh, college time I kind of started that business. So I started dabbling into entrepreneurship and owning a business. And I realized I did love the business part, but I did not love, I love the picture part, but I didn't like how the pictures became a business. Mm. Um, I realized I was like, okay, this is not really my thing, but I love the marketing aspect of it. I love the business aspect. Um, and then when we moved back, um, again, this is, uh, I'm so terrible at condensing stories, but, um, (laughs) I, and again, this is going to sound so weird, but I swear the Lord told me it is your mission in life to show other women their value. And I feel like through different jobs I had in college, I worked at a boutique when we were in Florida and then coming home, I was like, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to 
um, love on other women through this, and I'm supposed to employ women and give them um, value through that and encouragement, teach mm-hmm. them skills, different things. And so started just me out of one bedroom, then I went to two, then to, then to three, and then it also took over the upstairs game room. <laughs> Um, and I was like, we are busting out mm-hmm. of this house, busting out, um, all online at that point pop-ups. And then we found a teeny tiny 360 square foot storefront on Stone Oak Parkway here in San Antonio, um, last October. And then we opened it Black Friday. So we opened it like a month later, which is absolutely nuts. But um, <laughs> so we were in that space. We just moved same strip center into like it's 600 something square feet. So it's about double the space. So awesome. we're still all online and we have storefront, but that's kind of, yeah, it's kind of taking on a life. Of it was own. a whirlwind, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, I remember we were discussing this before we recorded that. I, that's when I met you is when you were just first starting. We were in Bible study together. <clears throat> and I was just amazed at this thing you were doing, which I feel like when you got into this business, the whole like boutique things showing up in your Facebook and your Instagram feed was really just like coming into its own. Yeah. It was just becoming a thing. Don't mm-hmm. you think you were kind of like at the, got, got in on the ground floor there? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like for social media, not as much so because that's when the algorithms change and everything. Mm-hmm. But um, I do feel like it is, it is an easy entry level, like uh-huh. entry. I don't know how to phrase that, but it is easy to enter into business owning a boutique. Um, and so I do feel like more and more people, it's becoming way more popular. An online, an online mm-hmm. boutique. Okay. Mm-hmm. As opposed to like opening an Etsy shop or something like that, you just kind of have your own. Yes. On like boutique. Yes. Cool. Was it always your aim to eventually have a brick and mortar or was that just something that just came with the journey you weren't expecting? Yeah, that was my original, like that's what I wanted to do. And so when we started, I was like, do we just get a business loan? Like, how do we do this? And then I threw one of my mentors, um, and just prayer. And I was like, let's just start with what we've got. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we have $2,000 to invest. Um, and I promised my husband I would pay it back. <laughs> And I was like, all right, we have $2,000. What can I do with 2000 bucks? Yeah. Um, so I was like, I'll just start small. Mm-hmm. Um, and now looking back, every person I talk to who wants to start any kind of business, I am like, start with as small and as little as possible. Yes. Like grow so slowly um, because growth is also another problem. But I'm just like, if you start small, start with what you have, like what you can financially invest. Um you will, I feel like the foundations of your business will grow Mm. and be healthier than if, like if I were to just open a brick and mortar, that would have been a disaster. Mm. (laughs) Just out of nowhere. I I didn't know what my customers wanted at that point. Sure. Um, But I, that was the original goal. I have always loved talking to people, getting to know people. um, And from working in two boutiques before I opened my own. I just know so much life happens there. Mm-hmm. Um, women come in and they're either really excited. They're looking for a dress for a shower, engagement party, whatever, or it's like therapy Oh, and it's like they're having a bad day or neither of those two, they try something on and then there's a lot of body image mm. things that come up. And so the life that really happens in that space is there's a lot of ministry there. That's so um, interesting. Yeah. Did you expect that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of the vision that you feel like God gave you was, because you said you wanted to 
what did you say, speak uh, into women's lives about their worth or something Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. 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 So that's kind of where I started. And now I feel like that dream um, has kind of morphed into different things. I feel like being a boss and a manager now is a whole new role I've taken on. And so not only doing that with our customers, but now with my employees is it's a huge role um, that I'm having to learn how Mm. to do it every day and ask for grace and help. And, um, just wisdom on that, but I just really wanted to either employ women or have women come in the door and encourage them to follow their dream or to, you know, start small, just do something. If you have this big vision, like just start with what you got and go from there. Or I feel like so many women, um, have these skills that they don't know that they have and just being able to bring them to light Mm -hmm. or like encourage them in those skills, is and and then watching their face light up um is just i don't know or yeah. just being a part of life for the customers and the amount of customers i've had that have reached out like i started my business because of you like you just gave me encouragement and mm-hmm. that's what i want to do i want to just if i can do it anyone can do it like <laughs> that's so that's so encouraging and i know a lot of people listening they may not go to the level of where you're at but some of them they need they their heart is really to stay home, mm-hmm. but their budget is at this point it'd be so taxing and it would mm. be it would really give them a lot more breathing room their family's more breathing room if mm-hmm. they could bring in a little income from something. Yeah. So I love that you're encouraging women to use the gifts that they have to do whatever they can do. Yeah, yeah. But not go out and get a hundred thousand dollar business loan. Yes. Don't yes. saddle because that's just you're just making things worse. Yeah. Yeah. And just even business wise, I've learned like you got to test the market first. And I'm so glad I didn't just jump into something with, you know, so much inventory sure. before I knew what people were, were really going to buy. Yeah. Um, that's so interesting. Yeah. Well, how do you see your new role that's coming up as a mom? Um, how are you planning on sort of making that work with your vision for your business and your vision for your home? Yes. Um, the ways that I have thought about that the last, I guess, really year and a half of my life. So, uh, I'm sure we'll get into it, but I was pregnant all last year. We lost our baby at 37 weeks last October. So, and then now we are pregnant again. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah, I said 18, almost 19 weeks pregnant. This one's a boy. And the ways I have thought about that for the last year and a half, I truly, when I was pregnant with Lane, I really didn't know how I was going to do it. Yeah. Um, but I think my heart's posture at that point was I was more scared of what adding a child was going to do to my business. Um, I was more tied. I feel like my heart was just more tied to, I worked so hard. I built up so much. I don't want it to all go away because of this child. Mm. Instead of now after losing a child, going into um, this pregnancy of like, Lord, I don't care what the heck you do to my business as long as I get to keep this child. Mm. And so I think my heart has changed on how I want that to practically look. Um, And again, I just, so many blessings through so much hardship of just being able to find um, employees that just, they know my story, they love the Lord, they are really, truly just so helpful. I feel like I can... I have space for margin in my life and I have space to do both. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what I've always wanted to do. I just didn't know how it was going to work out. And so at this point, like if I could just make the perfect week, um, I would probably have, you know, 
a certain amount of days in the store doing stuff or in the warehouse and then a certain amount of days at home working my computer during naps and that kind of thing. But I do also now, um, I do want days that are just all mom. Mm -hmm. Um, I think something that I've learned from the women around me and just other business owners who are moms is that I can't be 80% business owner and 20% mom, like in a certain moment. Um, I think I need the separation and structure in my schedule of knowing, okay, um, the baby's going to go to grandma's for Mondays, Tuesdays, and those are my days where I can 100% be a business owner and I can focus and I can move bigger needles, bigger things in the business. And then, all right, Thursday, Fridays, those are the days I get with my kid and I will answer emergency phone calls, but that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I don't know exactly what it'll look like, but that's kind of my plan going into December, January of just being able to, like, I need the structure. I yeah. need to know these certain days are work days. These days are full-on stay-at-home mom days, and these days can kind of be in between. Mm-hmm. Um, these can be working when he's napping or, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, that kind of thing. So. I think that's a really good way to look at it, and knowing that you're going to still have to be flexible. Yes, um, yes. But that's really interesting how your perspective changed because of your experience last year with yeah. Lane. So let's go back and let's talk just a little bit about your experience um, with infertility and okay. then, you know, just share yeah. a little bit about your journey yeah, yeah. there and how that affected your home life. Yes. Um, and so when I say we're moving into a different season, I feel like, and when I say, you know, the last three years of our marriage looked so different and things are messy and there's no structure, uh, this will make sense. <laughs> um <laughs> I already knew I was going to have trouble getting pregnant. Since I was 16, I had a doctor tell me, well, you may never have kids. I was like, okay, all right. Um, So it was something we already knew going into it. I had talked to my husband before we got married. I'm like, you have to be okay signing up for this because it may be easy or it may not. Like we don't really know. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we got married. We moved back to San Antonio and I knew it was going to be a process. So we started meeting with different doctors Um, and so instead of like trying to get pregnant for two or three years and then seeking help, we kind of, we did things like a little bit the opposite. We already knew we were going to have issues. So I immediately, when we were ready, like probably a year before we were actually wanting to start trying to have a family, we started doing things like I got off birth control. I found a doctor who could do, um, different surgeries because for my endometriosis and PCOS and that kind of stuff. Um, so the first really year, year and a half. Um, it was uh, a lot of surgeries, procedures, medicines, getting off birth control, mm-hmm. like figuring out how to track my cycle, like just really trying to get my body in the best shape to have a baby. And so we were starting, we were trying to have a baby, um, and it just was not working. Mm-hmm. And that I feel like we talk about it now, but I feel like losing a child made our marriage better, but infertility made it worse. Really? Because there was just, we had so many different opinions on, okay, what's the next step? What do we do now? What about, what if we have to do IVF? What if we have to do this? And it's very different when it's your body versus, you know, it's all, it's all on you, you know, Mm. basically. And so I was going through a lot of physical stuff. And so that was part of why the home just was a disaster because I had so many seasons where I did have a surgery or I got pregnant and we miscarried and, you know, you have to let your body rest um, after things like that. And so physically I was not, and still am not 
like in the best condition. And there were, th- there were so many seasons, like even last year, all nine months of pregnancy, they're like, you can't lift even a laundry basket. Man. First 13 weeks, they put me on bed rest. They were like, you're not doing the dishes. And so that is part of my husband's grace, I am sure. Yeah. Um, Just because we knew, I mean, it's just a season. It was just the season we were in. And if something was going to fall apart, it was going to be the house. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, yeah, something's got to give. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that kind of, that was the, more of the infertility. Uh-huh like season of that. Okay. Yeah. And that was really hard on your relationship. And then when you lost Lane, Lane, right? Lane, who's named after. Yes. And so his name, she's named after my youngest brother, Brayden Lane, um, who passed away in July of 2020. And so we, we were walking through a year, year and a half of I say infertility. I know some people probably roll their eyes at that. Like I used to roll my eyes because I have now been pregnant. What is this? The fourth time. Mm. Um, But again, we kind of did things backwards. We sought help, did surgeries prior to trying to get pregnant. Sure. And so we were going through all of that. And then we finally got pregnant with our first baby, miscarried in June of 2020. And then my, he was 21, like a month into being 21. Um, he passed away unexpectedly July of 2020 of mm-hmm. an enlarged heart just in his sleep. So that was a huge season of grieving. So even if it wasn't physically, I wasn't able to take care of the home. Yeah. It was a lot of mentally just grieving and mm-hmm. what that does to you physically. Yeah. yeah. So um how did you and your husband work through the grief of miscarrying and losing a very late pregnancy. Mm. You were how many weeks? 37 37 weeks. 37 yeah. weeks. Did you process the grief differently? And then how did, you said it made your marriage stronger mm-hmm. to go through that experience. So what? maybe talk a little bit about that. Yeah. I think me and my husband processed losing Brayden, my brother, mm-hmm. versus losing Lane, our daughter, very differently. Mm. Um, we, and they were so close together that... Losing Brayden, um, I obviously processed a lot harder because it was my sibling I grew up with and was with every single day for a very long time. And so he had to be more of like the rock during that season and the steady person. And he just let me grieve and he never once made me feel bad or told me I had to grieve a certain way. And he was just so, just such a rock for us. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like losing Brayden, it didn't really affect our marriage per se. Um, That also made it stronger. I felt like losing Brayden and then just seeing how Taylor reacted to that and was able to just be rock for the whole family. Um, Spoke at his funeral, spoke at his one year heaven birthday celebration thing we did. Um, He's been a rock for the whole family. Mm -hmm. And then, um, sorry, um, losing Lane, it's just, it was so different. Yeah. Um, both equally as hard, but just such different experiences, both for him and for I, and then us together. Right. Um, us together, I mean, man, that day we, I was like, I don't even know if I want to see her. Cause we, we already knew, we already knew she was gone. And I was like, sign me up for a C-section, knock me out. Like, <laughs> you know, you just kind of do what you have to do to get through the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so seeing him as a dad that one day, I'm just all the pregnancy, my stepdad, I remember him saying, I have never seen a man so excited about his kid's nursery. Like <laughs> he was showing people pictures. Aww. This is how we decorate it. Like we just waited so long to have a baby. 
and went through so much that to finally feel like we had one. Yeah. Um, it just, I mean, I feel like our love for each other grew because he got a glimpse of me as a mom. I got a glimpse of him as a dad and it was our child together. Um, versus losing Brayden, it was just different because that was mm-hmm. my sibling versus his. Right. Um, and so, man, I just, I saw so many sides of my husband that were like just, I had never seen before, you know? And, and I just feel like it made me truly appreciate him so much more and just how sweet he was with me post C-section and us just being like, man, this is the best thing we could ever do is build a family. Like you just see your child's face and you're like, this is legitimately the best thing you could do with your whole life. Mm. And so we just were finally, and the first time I feel like in our journey, we're like, okay, we're on the same page. As soon as they tell us we can get pregnant again, like we're going to try to, as we're going to do whatever we have to do to get yeah. pregnant again and build our family. And I just feel like for the first time we were on the same page about next steps and what we wanted to do, what we didn't want to do. Um, and just, I mean, anyone I'm sure who's married and has seen their spouse become a father or mother just knows like, it's just so yeah, amazing and special. And, um, so yeah, we, we grieve differently, but I, I feel like it was just like, holy moly. Like this is like so awesome at the same time of just like, you're, this whole other person that I didn't see the side of you just as a father mm-hmm. and um, being able to question God and walk through that mm. together yeah, has been, has been really cool. Yeah. That's a really good point to work through the doubts and the fears and the questions as a couple mm. because you're one. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure that for a lot of people, when they experience grief, the loss of a child, particularly, um, I I don't remember what the statistics are. We I had another guest who quoted those statistics, but it's pretty high um, mm-hmm. when the marriage will end mm-hmm. at the loss of a child mm-hmm. because you just kind of I would imagine you just kind of want to hole off in a corner and lick your wounds and shake your fist at God yes. and so and don't get me wrong, we did all those things. <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah, but I think we were just because we had already gone through so much grief, like it, like you know, a year before, right. In a weird way, I feel like the Lord prepared our hearts for it, um, a sucky way, but um, we were, we had just learned, okay, we're going to grieve differently. Even though we're a couple, you know, my husband was more angry. I was more just in shock. Mm-hmm. Like I feel, even with Brayden, like things didn't really hit me until three or four months later. Like my brain just shuts down, it survives, mm-hmm. and my husband was more angry and felt it more immediately. Yeah. And just being like, all right. You know, I told you before we started, my husband, I was literally in my adult diaper, right? (laughs) (laughs) And like all like, I had to bind my breast because we didn't want the milk to come in. So I was like on the struggle bus physically, right? And he was like, we're going to move. Like, no, we are not, sir. I am crunching. My diaper is crunching as I'm walking. Like, we are not moving. Um, like, our house is fine. And he was like, no, this is what we have to do. And I remember my mom and my mother-in-law looking at me, just being like, this is one of those times in marriage. You just let your man do what he needs to do. I'm like, all right. So the whole family pitched in. We And that's something he needed to do. And what I thought he was absolutely nuts at the time, I'm like, you know what? Thank you, Lord, for giving him that 
provision, that idea. Yeah. Because now just being in a new space and not having her nursery there is mm. so good for us. Mm. Um, and being able to start fresh with this child and this child not having to live in the shadow of Lane, I guess, mm-hmm. it's been so, I'm like, thank you, Lord. I wanted to kill him at the time, but mm-hmm. um, now just being able to, each of us do, dealing with it our own ways. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing. I know that you're also passionate about, um, I saw this on your feeds kind of immediately following that you were wanting to really promote women to be Mm. advocates for their baby in utero. Mm -hmm. Um, You want to talk about that just a little bit? Yeah. Um, I think, and don't quote me on the stat, but I think it's like 25% of stillbirths are avoidable. Okay. Um, so one of the main things we learned, um, is just counting kicks and most women can't like, you don't start counting to like 28 weeks pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um, if you're high risk, you start counting at like 26 or something, just a little bit before. And so I think if I would have known that the movement had decreased because I was tracking it. Right. Um, I think I would have known we got to go to the hospital right now, mm-hmm. but I was so busy, distracted. I no one talked to me about counting kicks or movement, and so I just thought, oh, she's just big. <laughs> she's, yeah, she's tucked in there. So if somebody ever tells you your baby stopped moving because they're big, that is a lie. Um, so there's an app called Count Your Kicks, mm-hmm. and so if you reach week 26, 27, 28 weeks of pregnancy, basically third trimester, you um, and I haven't downloaded it yet, but. I think there's a certain amount of time per day. Okay. Or like you do it the same time every day. You count, track and count the kicks and movement. Mm-hmm. And so every baby's going to be different. Um, and you just have to like be able to track your baby, know your baby. And if one day you're like, man, he or she's just not doing what they normally do, like that's a sign. So I think counting kicks is really the biggest okay. thing that I wish I would have known. Yeah. Um. And just not letting your provider make you feel like you're crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, If you know something is wrong, and I don't know how we didn't know this, but just go to labor and delivery. Like it it is truly worth that crazy hospital bill for this uh, health and safety of you and your baby. Like just go to labor and delivery. Because we had gone to our doctor the day before. I knew something was wrong. Just my mom gut. Um. I just, I knew something was off. Sure. And we were told everything was fine and we went home. And so if we would have gone to labor and delivery where they would have, could have done extended monitoring mm-hmm. and that kind of thing, I think we would have known like, oh yeah, she's in distress. Like we got to take her out kind of thing. Um, so really just those two things, like okay. count your kicks and really like, if you think something is off, even if your provider thinks you're crazy, yeah, like do not leave the hospital, like okay. go to labor and delivery, like force them to give you extended monitoring and just really like, you know, your baby best and you, and it's not just a doctor, but I feel like in general, you're made to feel like you're crazy, especially if you're a first time mom. Sure. Um, and you're not like, you really know. And worst thing, worst thing that can happen is maybe you are a little crazy and And you have a hospital bill. Yeah. (laughs) And they send you home, you know? And Mm -hmm. I mean, it's worth paying off a medical bill slowly to just have the assurance of. Okay. Yeah. Good. Well, thanks for sharing that. All right. We're going to talk a little bit about hospitality. Okay. Okay. So what is a practical way that you show hospitality in your homemaking? Oh, geez. (laughs) I am the worst hostess. I have learned a lot about hospitality 
through others. <laughs> so I don't have a ton of tips, but if somebody, the only people who really come over are like my little brothers, they would come over. Um, Patton, if he comes down from Dallas sometimes, he'll still stay with us. But it's just having clean towels. And I don't know why I'm like, you have got to put water bottles in the room because if they leave the guest room in the middle of the night and they don't know where to go or yeah. where the cups are, like having fresh towels and water bottles, I mean, I don't, that's the, that's, that's a great the level tip. of my hospitality. That is a great tip. A lot of people don't think about that, but yeah, I, I just throw three little water bottles on the nightstand and I'm yeah. like, all right. Awesome. Good, good tip. <laughs> well, how do you think that homemaking helps to build community? I feel like it just inviting people into your home and your life and your celebrations. Um, it just builds a level of intimacy with that person mm. that they can see like, okay, this is your life. Like this is your family. Um, and then building community again, right now it's just me and Taylor, but it just, I'm like, man, life just feels so much sweeter when like the house is clean and like I have a hot meal ready and it just becomes so much more enjoyable. Mm -hmm. Um, and you're like, man, this is really special. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you're saying when you invite people in to those moments, even just those everyday moments, whether it's a holiday or not, just inviting them in lets you see that this is your life. This is, you know, we live our lives in between these four walls. And Mm -hmm. um, if there's an intimacy to that, that you let somebody in, you're being vulnerable, uh, whether there's a pile of dirty laundry on the couch Mm -hmm. or whatever. Yes. Um, But that's where people connect with one another Mm -hmm. is in those intimate moments like that of just, this is just life and let's do life together. So mm-hmm. I love that. That strengthens relationships and then that in turn strengthens community for sure. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to ask you some questions. Okay. Rapid fire. All right. What is your biggest homemaking fail? Forgetting to take meat out of the freezer. Oh, that's a constant thing. Constant. Yeah. I mean, I think of that and then I think of this it was probably one of the first meals I made my husband and I had made it a million times for myself. Just stir fry, literally just cut up chicken, you throw a sauce and you throw a stir fry pre-made back in, yeah. in the skillet. And I just overcooking the meat, you know, yeah, just learning how to cook those first few years. Cooking. Cooking was your nemesis. Yes. <laughs> All right. How about a recent homemaking win? So, um, I just got this really cute, it's like 14 bucks magnet off of Amazon and it has like like the days of the week and it has like snacks and that kind of thing on it and being able to plan the meals and like have them written out that way my husband also sees it Mm -hmm. and then there's also a list for him if I'm not home of like these are your options for lunch like here's the lunch options this is what's for dinner or if I do forget to take chicken out of the freezer because literally happens almost every other week um he'd be like oh I need to go take that out because we're making this tonight and she forgot to take it out so it just I feel like is a good little communication Mm -hmm. tool Mm -hmm. Just for both of us. I love that. That's a really good idea. Post it. Put it up. I have a board. I have a chalkboard on the side of my refrigerator and um, I will write things there so that everybody... And on one side, it's meals and on the other side, it's grocery list. So people can just add to the grocery list. I love that. When we run out of things. I have. You've, I had to train them to do that. Yeah. But like we're out of milk, <laughs> write it on the board. So I remember. <laughs> so I know. Yeah. And so I remember. Um, but there's a there's um, somebody that I follow and I can't remember who gave this tip, but she always says, if you do meal planning for the week 
And this is easier to do if you have a large refrigerator or if you have um, like a second refrigerator in your garage Mm -hmm. or something. Take the meat out of the freezer for that week Mm. and put it in the spare refrigerator or put it in the back of your other refrigerator. You know, like if you know you're going to need to take out a chicken for Tuesday and a pound of ground Mm. beef for Wednesday and, you know, whatever, just go ahead and take it all out so it can be thawing in the fridge. The key to that, I think, is that you have to be faithful to actually make that food. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I was going to say. But that's probably where a lot of the meal plan experts tell you. Yeah. Don't plan a meal for every single night of the week. Like, yeah. don't do seven. Do, like, five. Yes. Because that gives you flexibility for, like, if you get a last-minute invitation to go out with somebody, mm-hmm. or if you end up, like, not wanting to cook and you just have scrambled eggs one night or cereal or whatever, yes. that way you're not going to be wasting food. Yeah, yeah. We so you- typically do, like, Monday through Thursday, mm-hmm. and then... Well, I guess Sunday through Thursday, technically. So then Friday, Saturday, yeah, we just go out. That's our yeah. reprieve from yeah. cooking and cleaning dishes. Cool. <laughs> okay. So you might want to think about doing your taking yeah. all your meat out at once if you can remember to cook it. Yes. <laughs> all right. What's a homemaking product or resource that you are loving right now? Okay. So that Amazon um, magnet ca- ma- thing, calendar magnet thing, okay. but also just Pinterest mm-hmm. um, because I created a separate board for like quick dinner ideas and then make a board for like when you're feeling like cooking with a glass of wine in the kitchen, like you put on some music. Those are two different kind of nights. Absolutely. <laughs> so create a board. And I ha- so I have two boards. I have one that's like easy, like how can I just throw four things together in a pot and make it work? And then I have one I'm like, okay, I want to experiment a little bit more in the kitchen. I want to take my time and let that be my decompressing. Yeah. Um, so I feel like Pinterest, it's just, it's so good. I love Pinterest. I think it's very underused. Well, I think a lot of people use it, but it's not, it just, it's a great tool. Yeah. Especially for homemakers. Yes. I have boards for everything. You mm-hmm. know, I have like a whole section for the kitchen and I mine are divided up into soups and oh. desserts. And but I've been doing That's this, probably I've better. been doing Pinterest for like forever since yeah. it first started. Um, but it's a great tool because we don't always necessarily, you know, want to keep a whole collection of cookbooks in our yeah. in our closet or whatever. So yeah, and I have some, and I just never look, never at, them. look at them. I never look at them, mm-hmm. and it's just so easy to type in a Pinterest chicken crockpot meal. Yeah, <laughs> what, right. What can come up. This because, is what I have. I mean, really, it's a search engine. Yeah, that's what we're us those who do marketing things. We're supposed to think of Pinterest as a search engine uh-huh. uh, that a lot of people use to just find yeah. stuff. Yeah, recipes, DIY, all kinds of things. So make use of Pinterest. For yes. sure. Okay, how about your favorite homemaking hack or tip mm. that you've learned along the way? Ooh, um, my favorite thing to do if I do not feel like cleaning or doing laundry or if it's, you know, a day where I just want to be chilling or doing something else, I love podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, so I probably subscribe to way too many of them. But I'm like, if I put in my headphones... And I just listen to this thing for 20 minutes. I can fold and put away a lot of laundry. And then it doesn't feel as much like you're focusing on something else. Your brain is somewhere else or putting on an audiobook. Yeah. um, Something like that. Or music. For me, the audiobooks and the podcasts are more distracting. But um, Mm -hmm. so just doing that or doing that when you're cleaning too, like cleaning the house, vacuuming. 
I don't do good with blank space. So I don't know, maybe that's a bad thing, but I love just putting on podcast and being like, okay, for this, you know, when I'm vacuuming and wiping stuff down, I'm just going to pop in a podcast and mm-hmm. it makes it go by so much faster. Oh, absolutely. That's that's a great tip. That's something that I love to do. It actually gets to the point where your brain will make an association <laughs> with the thing. Like for me, it's my morning walk mm. and then when I clean <clears throat> and when I make dinner. Um, yeah. Like I have different things that I listen to. So I'm, I do podcasts on the morning walk. Um, I do various things when I'm cleaning and when I make dinner, I'm usually listening to my audiobook, whatever, like a fiction mm-hmm. book that I've got going. And it becomes like an association in my brain, like, oh, I get to like I want to make dinner because I get to listen to my book. Yes. You know, I get to listen to another chapter. Yes. It just makes it exciting. Yeah. I mean, it just takes something. And again, I don't know what that looks like when you have screaming kids running around. It is different. Yeah. But I'm like, for right now, or if I dread cooking dinner that night, I'm like, all right, just put on a podcast. Just yeah. like listen to something else while you do this mm-hmm. to like get you through the 30 minutes of cooking or whatever. Yeah. So. That's great motivation. Very good. Very good tip. All right. Let's talk a little bit about the art of home. How do you see homemaking as an art? The days that you have during the week that feel so mundane, like those are the days that make up your life. Yeah. Um, the fun family vacations are only few and far, you know, those yeah, are not every just day. Just a few days every year yeah. or every other year. Yeah. And so like the days when you're at home, like that's what your life consists of. And so I just feel like it's so... Um, and again, I used to not think this way at all, but recently it's been more like, oh my gosh, how cool is it that I can create an atmosphere and create, you know, put up decorations to make it feel a certain way and light a candle after everything's clean. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like, you know, every family space is different, but it's just so fun. And that's creating a space where it's like, I want to go back home. Like home mm-hmm. feels restful and peaceful. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Great. So why is gratitude important in the home? Mm. And how have you seen gratitude improve your experience in your homemaking? You know, after losing so many people um, in our immediate family, I feel like it has given me abundance of gratitude for everything in life. Um, but just being like, man, my husband's still here. Like we're both, st- and it seems so simple, but yeah. we're both still alive and breathing and healthy. And like what better thing could I be doing? Mm-hmm. You know, like what's more important than this or, or whatever, if you have littles in your house and, um, I know if we can bring this baby home, changing a diaper now is probably going to feel a whole lot different than it would have mm-hmm. felt with Lane, you know, like those things that seem so, um, hard or are so easy to be ungrateful for. I feel like now my whole lens on it has just yeah. changed. Um, you know, I've, I've heard so many women say, you know, if their husband has passed away, like, man, I really wish his laundry was still on the floor. (laughs) And I really wish his dirty shoes were, you know, scraping dirt everywhere. And so it makes things that can be annoying or can be like difficult. And you're just like, all right, if these annoying, difficult things are happening, it means we're all still here. Like we're all still alive (laughs) and we're together. Um, so I feel like gratitude has been a huge, thing for me. And hopefully I will continue to feel that way. Uh, if this baby comes home with us in the night, so waking up a million times and, you know, it's just, it makes you realize like, there's not, there's not that many things to get worked up over in life. And there's so much to celebrate too. So yeah. Good answer. How can older women help your generation 
of homemakers thrive in their practice of the art of home? What do you wish that they knew about your experience? Mm. Um, I feel like nowadays it's so much different being able to like own a business from home and Mm -hmm. have a side hustle or whether that's your full-time thing and just having grace for my generation and knowing that being a stay-at-home mom or being a homemaker is going to look different. Um, and if it doesn't, then great. If you know, if you're a mom who doesn't have a side hustle or a job or whatever, um, but there is so much opportunity just with the internet and things that you can do to build, like you said, a little side income for your family, or if it's a passion, um, there are so many ways that you can work those things in while not failing as a homemaker. Mm -hmm. So just, I feel like it's, um, I've had so many people be like, well, how are you going to do it when you bring a baby home? Yeah. And I'm like, I can, you know, with technology working in the margins, I feel like it's a lot easier. Yeah, for um, sure. Than it probably used to be. It's not packing up and going to a nine to five job for everybody nowadays. Right. Um, it's like being home and working, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's just there's there's nuances to it. There's ways to to do things differently instead of I don't know. I feel like it's so much judgment of like. So are you going to just sell your business when your baby comes? Like, how are you going to oh, do it? And I'm like, I'm going to figure it out. You know, um, being okay with moms who are wanting to work or having to work part-time or full-time. I feel like, what do you, what do you need help with? So instead of them casting a judgmental mm -hmm. eye over your choices and saying, well, I don't know how you're going to make that work. um, What, how can they be more proactive and positive and helpful Mm. to you and your generation? I, we talked about this before, but I, I just love your podcast because it, I feel like the practical tips of like how to make dinners easier, how to meal plan, how to, you know, keep the home clean, how to, you know, I don't know about kids' schedules and all that, but I'm sure there's practical tips with all of that. Mm. It's like, I feel like in our, in my generation, I guess it's a bad thing of like that has kind of gone away. Um, and coming in with grace of Mm -hmm. like, Hey, there's some practical things you can do to make this like work life balance, um, work mom balance, family balance easier Mm -hmm. and not losing the art of like, you know, cooking and passing down recipes. And, um, I think while not casting judgment while also helping to provide practical ways. Yeah to like make it work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, and not losing, I like, I love listening to so many of your guests, like talk about their tips and tricks or I, I can't remember. Somebody talk about place setting and I'm like, Oh my gosh, we have lost like place setting. I'm like, that yeah. sounds fun. You yeah. know, doing things like that too, to help bring, help bridge the gap between, I feel like this generation and the older generation of mm-hmm. like, no, we still like to do those things. It just looks different. Yeah. Yeah. Grace. I like that word. Grace. Be gracious to one another. So let's talk to the younger woman for a second. What is some advice that you would give to a younger woman, homemaker coming behind you? Mm. How would you encourage her? I guess in my stage, pre-kid life, um, just to not get so hung up on the different things that your spouse can do we're not do um, <laughs> homemaking wise. Yeah, that at the, our first two years of marriage, I was like, why was it so hard to like figure out 
you know, how you do laundry versus how I do laundry. Or like, this is the kind of meals you grew up eating for dinner versus me. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it doesn't matter. And it's so hard because I remember at the time thinking, oh my gosh, like we're getting in fights like about <laughs> laundry. And it just felt so difficult to like mesh those two, like our two stories together. Yeah. Um, learning how to laugh at things. Like I used to, I remember our first years of marriage being so mad that the clothes were in the hamper. They were beside the hamper. <laughs> And now I'm like, I don't even care. You know, like it doesn't even cross my mind. They got close enough. Yes. (laughs) They're near the hamper. (laughs) Yes. Or even just like, okay, we have to separate lights and darks when we do the laundry, please. You know? And then now I'm just like, all right, if you want to help with laundry, you do it your way. You know, like I'm not going to gripe at separating Mm. the lights and darks. Like if you're willing to help and do things um, and give me some reprieve, if you give me a clean basket that has lights and darks in it. I'm like, whatever, it's clean. You know, like just just learning to let go of some of those, like yeah. the way you do things um, and just being grateful for, all right, he wants to help or he's helping or, you know, he did the laundry today and I don't have to do it. So I'm just not really going to care if mm-hmm. the lights and the darks get washed together or if he didn't wash the towel on warm because I don't know, we just did that. Yeah. Like, you know, why didn't you put it on hot? I feel like it kills the germs. I don't know. <laughs> so just being like, all right, they're washed, you know? Yeah. No, that's that's really great advice to not uh, look a gift horse in the mouth. Don't go back and redo yes. the job because it wasn't done to your standard. Yes. That would be the worst thing you could do. And really that applies to when you have kids mm. and you're training your children. You want them to enjoy Mm. pitching in and being a part of making the home and give them ownership in the home. And so it's the same thing. It's Mm. like, if my kid wants to help fold the laundry, I'll train Mm. them to be like, here's like the way it works best to like fit in our particular cabinets. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But they, especially if they're really little, they're not going to do it perfect and don't go back and redo it. That's really good advice. Give them the pride of doing a job and having wanted to participate. Yeah. And be grateful that they want to participate. That is really good advice. So, yeah, I, I think that's a good word. It sounds like that also is encapsulated um, in the word grace, I would yes. say. So, <laughs> so much grace. <laughs> so much grace <laughs> for each other, for ourselves. Yeah, all of it. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much yes. for being on the show and sharing all of your journey. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to this homemaker portrait of Abby Colbath. I pray that you were encouraged and challenged and inspired, and that by entering into Abby's story, you have a greater sense of gratitude for your people, no matter how much they might annoy you, and for the steadfast love and goodness of God in your life. I love how Abby put it when she explained how grief and loss changed her lens on the things that are so easy to resent or to be ungrateful for. If these annoying, difficult things are happening, it means we are all still here. It makes you realize that there's just not that many things in life to get worked up over and that there's so much to celebrate. What are you grateful for in your homemaking today? What can you celebrate? As we mentioned in the interview, Abby's business is called July and June Women's Boutique, and you can connect with her over on Instagram at shop July and June or visit her website at shopjulyandjune.com. 
or if you're in and around the San Antonio area, or if you happen to be visiting our area, you can go to her storefront and I will link the address to that in the show notes. If you have found value in today's episode, would you consider giving the show some love in one of the following ways? Share with a homemaker you know who could use some encouragement. This is the most important thing you can do to help the show grow and reach more homemakers. Leave us a rating and a review on your listening app and make sure that you are following or subscribing or whatever your app calls it so that whenever we have a new episode, it will automatically show up on your phone. That way you won't miss anything. And finally, you can leave us a tip in our virtual tip jar, Buy Me a Coffee. Tips are given in $5 increments. You can buy one or as many as you would like. Just go to buymeacoffee.com slash theartofhome. Thanks for your support. And don't forget, sign up for our Homemaker Happy Mail. That's our weekly email that goes out every Friday during regular seasons of the show. You'll get all the latest news about what's coming on the podcast, as well as recipes and a weekly homemaking resource roundup and a place to share prayer requests and some exclusive homemaking stories. Sign up with the link below or at theartofhomepodcast.com slash subscribe. Well, that's all for today's episode. I will be back next Wednesday with a brand new deep dive. Until then, keep practicing your art of making a home. Okay, coal bath. Yes, coal bath. It's like cold bath, Yes, but without the deep. I always have to remember that. I get that, coal bath. Coal bath. And I'm like, yeah, that's a weird, like, I don't know, old timey. (laughs) That's funny. Pronunciation. And you go by Abby, right? Yeah, yeah. I like to get the guest name right. <laughs> <laughs> it's always For helpful. start. <laughs> Let's start off on the right foot. Oh.